everyone! Welcome back to Postscript, all creatures great and small. I'm Christina Ziders, and today we have a guest co-host. Filling in for Beth today is our producer, Ali Amaros. That's right! Hi everyone! My mic is on, levels are set, and I'm excited to jump into this episode with you, Christina. Cool! So, for everyone who's listening, don't forget, we want to hear what you think about Season 3 so far. Email your thoughts at ps at witf.org. Or slide into our DMs on Instagram at WITFORG, or send us a message on Facebook at WITF.org. We're halfway through the season, and it's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of heavy. <laughs> so how are you feeling? If you had a magic wand, where would you want James, Helen, Tristan, Siegfried, and Mrs. H to go from here? By the way, re- we've received this email from last season, and drumroll, please. Brrr. My mom has confirmed the family has now heard my confession. (laughs) So I'm going to read her uh, email, and I'm going to try to do an impression of my mom because it's going to sound like me. Uh, But we're the same person, essentially, so it's fine. I can't wait. Okay, so she said, oh, my gosh, Christina Ziders. And side note, she didn't use my middle name, so I'm not really in trouble. Shame on you for keeping that from your mom and dad. You played with fire? Well, one time, but I could usually tell by looking at you if you were keeping something from us. Hmm, I still cannot believe it. (laughs) We are discussing your punishment. Laughing, crying face emoji. I'm glad it all turned out good and you learned a lesson without getting hurt and without a big fire. Thank goodness. Thumbs up. (laughs) Thumbs up emoji. Thumbs up. I missed that when she sent the email. (laughs) P.S. Dad says you are grounded. Crying face emoji. Uh, I have literally never been grounded in my life. So I would like it known that at age 37, I have been grounded for the first time in my entire life. Brava. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) A round of applause for Christina. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for sharing with the fandom. And thank you for writing in Christina's mom. We would <laughs> Her love name to is hear. Judy, by the way. Thank you, Judy Ziders. <laughs> we can't wait to hear what you guys think about the upcoming episodes and the rest of this season. And if you love listening to Beth and Christina episode by episode, leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're listening along on YouTube, you may have noticed that we've moved to WITF's new arts and culture channel, Mosaic. Be sure to like, subscribe, and engage with us in the comments section. And if you've become a PostScript superfan, please consider donating at witf.org mosaic. In the drop-down box, select Use This Donation for PostScript, and we thank you so much for your support. Yes, please send us money. We, we would like to take trips. Exactly. <laughs> field trips, maybe turn this into video. So we'd love to hear what you think, and we really appreciate your dollar contribution, $5, $10, anything you have to give. So before we get into this episode, like Ali said, it's getting kind of heavy. Uh, we will be talking about some sensitive topics in this episode, including PTSD and suicide. If you feel like you're able to listen along and relate with our dear Siegfried, please do. If these topics are not for you today, feel free to skip this one, and we'll be right back here with you next episode. And if you need support now, please call or text 988 for 24-7 free and confidential support. You can find additional resources at 988lifeline.org. Yes, thank you, Christina. And we'll also give fair warning right before we dive into that part of the podcast. So feel free to listen along and skip ahead when we remind you. All right, Christina, shall we? We shall. Okay, take it away. So this episode really centers around Siegfried. 
It's the first time we really get to take a full look into his past and get a peek inside his mind. Like, why is he the way he is? We're going to find out some of that. Yeah, like we've seen a little bit behind Mrs. H in the last seasons. Yeah. Now we're finally in Siegfried's perspective. Exactly. So we actually open with a flashback to 1918 in Ypres, Belgium. Is I that think the that's pronunciation the way they guide? <laughs> so Thank I'm, you for the pronunciation yeah. guide because I would have never got Ypres out of that. Right? So uh, it says that on the screen. And okay. then I went back to season one Okay. when he's at the racehorse. That's okay. what the other man at the racehorse said. He was like, Eeps, wow, like he could relate. Oh, okay. So that's where I got Eeps. Okay. Let well, us know if we're wrong. <laughs> Maybe we're wrong. But anyway, it is, it is in Belgium. Yes. Uh, young Captain Farnan and two of his soldiers, Turner and Maurice, approach and hope to save an injured horse. But while they're attending to this horse, there's mustard gas. And the only, I, I knew it was mustard gas, like that's, one of the few things I remember about World War One, that and trench foot. I was wondering. I was going to have to look it up for myself, but then I saw that you clocked it as mustard gas. So I took a closer look okay. to find out a little bit about it. And this is from the Medical Center at Kansas University. It said the most commonly used gas in World War One was mustard gas. And an, another little closer look, yeah. when I was looking at where Siegfried was, at that time, I think this area is kind of one of the first battles and the first places they used it. Oh, okay. So I could be wrong. But they were, so they were prepared for it yes. somewhat, but this was one of the first uses of it. Exactly, because yeah. they had they had the gas masks with them, yeah. so they must have known this was part it of was it. It was chemical warfare. It is. Yeah. And so in pure liquid form, mustard gas is normally colorless, but in World War One, the impure forms were mustard colored. And they smelled like garlic and horseradish. It's an irritant, which is a strong blister-forming agent. And it causes chemical burns on contact. So they could inhale them and be burned inside. That's awful. It'd be on the skin. Sometimes at the initial exposure, it'd be symptomless. But it was like you were bound to have the burns arise. Like, yeah. So Turner must have been really in the thick of it when they first attacked with the gas. Yeah, well, I mean, he he wouldn't put on his gas mask. Mm -hmm. And so he probably inhaled quite a lot of it. Yeah. So we come out of the flashback at Skeldale House. Siegfried is reading a letter from Morris. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to say his name Maurice. I know it. But Morris <laughs> is, is the right way to say it. It's spelled Maurice. And we're wondering <laughs> if it's just pronounced Morris yeah. in his family in the UK. <laughs> Morris, Maurice. That's who we're talking about. Um, Mrs. Hall uh, says, are we still in the land of the living? Which is multi-leveled. Let's just. Levels. Yes. And Siegfried responds, it seems so, yes. And there are a few moments throughout this episode that uh, kind of had a play on that title. Mm -hmm. Surviving Siegfried, that was one of them. Yeah. Uh, but there will be more on that later. Uh, for James, because this is really a story about Siegfried, but there are side stories about James and Helen and Tristan. Um, we see that James is tired. He's working more nights. And he's trying to convince the farmers to opt into the TB testing, and that's still his, like, big priority. Yes. I Helen, think that's a thread so far. Oh, yeah. This is, I think, an overriding theme throughout. I think it's actually—it feels like it's his purpose oh, right now. Point. Like, I think he's clinging to this because he feels like he has to do something 
if he's going to stay home. That makes a lot of sense. That's, so that really ties to his it character. It could be that he's clinging for some sort of purpose. Yeah. And it's a good purpose. It's like, a good this read. Is, um, it's an important testing priority. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Helen, Helen is learning how to manage the new in-betweens of her life. Uh, and she's learning quickly alongside James that people really are all the bother. Yes. <laughs> you definitely see that in this episode. <laughs> and uh, Tristan is still proving himself to Siegfried. Um, he's tasked with reorganizing the dispensary and focusing on the animal surgeries. Yes. So that is kind of happening in the background of mm-hmm. this episode. So we'll start off with James and Helen's journey over the next few days. Perfect. So, as we know, James and Helen are living at Scaledale House, and Helen goes back to work at Heston Grange every day to help at her farm. Mm-hmm. James is exhausted from working overtime, night and day, and that is not great for a newlywed uh, situation. Yeah. When you're tired, you're not in the mood for anything. Exactly. <laughs> and he has no breaks. It's not like he could go for no. lunch. <laughs> I mean, he could he could be in the middle of having some fun, yep. and that phone rings. Oh. What a bummer. Oh, Can my you, gosh. Because like, it rings in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. That would be real. That's a real downer. But oh. Helen seems to be rolling with it. She's um, a trooper. She actually notes during the episode that uh, she had no idea how hard he worked. Yes. So that was really sweet that she, like, noticed that. And yeah. I think maybe it's why she's trying to help him a little bit with the TB testing, even though she has mixed feelings about it. Right. That's really big of her. The looming issue at hand is this TB testing. James is urging Helen to ask her dad to consider it. And we can see Helen herself is, like I said, torn about the severity of the issue, but she handles it really delicately. So she approaches her dad and she says, James is struggling to get folks to sign up for this testing. And he counters with, well, it costs them their herd and the government doesn't pay what an animal's worth. And she says, I know. And he says, you're not going to bend me ear until I give in. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> bend me ear. And she said, I said I'd ask. It's a tough one. And he says that he would think about it. And she kind of half smiles. It's like a really tentative yeah. smile. Um, so I don't know. I read that kind of as she knows this is basically a guess from her dad. But yeah, I don't know. Did you have different feelings or similar feelings on that? I liked that you clocked that because I was trying to read what kind of side she was on. And like you just said, she's playing both sides, especially since she's starting to understand how hard James is working. Yeah. But it's got to be hard on her. Like this is her upbringing and livelihood, too. So I thought it was written and delivered perfectly. Very subtle, like, questions and not prying, not pressuring, just really considering how her dad might feel about this big testing. It's also kind of, it's nice because we've seen her dad give her the reins to make decisions. And now that she's not at the farm, she doesn't have quite as much to lose in that situation. True. So I wonder if it's also her kind of repaying his his trust by saying, I trust you to make this decision for decision. your farm. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. It shows like she's obviously still connected. She loves her dad and financially she doesn't want him to sh- struggle. Right. Well, because her sister still lives on the farm, that's too. That's true. Like, that's her family farm. Oh, I wonder what Jenny would think about this. That's true. She was not she's in trying, this episode. Yeah. And she's trying to take a little more control. Huh. 
at home too, trying to prove that she's she's capable. Because ultimately, it seems like Jenny's going to be the one that inherits the farm. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, mean Hugh hooks them up. Yeah, so. yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited. I hope we see more on that. Yeah. Once they make a decision and just seeing how that goes. So when Helen gets back to the car with James, I also thought that was a really good conversation. Yeah. Carrying on that same theme of like really well written, really well delivered. Yeah. So I wanted to take a little listen and then let's talk about it. Okay. It's hard for farmers. It's been decades building up their herd. One positive test and that can all be undone. If infected milk's consumed, it can lead to people dying. Surely you can see that's more important. I just don't think it's as black and white as you see it. So how did you feel about that? <laughs> um, so I think that James is a rule follower. Mm-hmm. And I, I am also a rule follower, but like James is annoyingly a rule follower. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he tends to, he's also young. I guess we have to put it in that frame of mind too he's what in his 20s early 20s true so he sees the world as more absolutes ah i feel like and he hasn't ever lived the reality of a farm exactly life so he doesn't think he doesn't think about all the different possibilities i think yeah i think that's right he's really using logic instead of feeling the emotion of what this means for right. everyone he's asking. Right. So you're right. And I think it goes back to what you said about his controlling, like, he wants something to attach his purpose to. Yeah. So I think once he set his eye on, like, maybe being the savior in this way or helping in right. this way, he's, like, stuck on it. He's like, yeah. this is what's best. And yeah. so why aren't you all just jumping on board? And I see his point. I mean, it is really important. To make sure that TB doesn't get into the milk. Yeah. Like, that's valid and true. Um, but, yeah, he's just not—he's not thinking about it in the money-making sense that farmers depend on right. the milk and being able to produce to survive. Exactly. Like, you can't—you can't buy food. I mean, farmers, to an extent, grow their own food, mm-hmm. typically. But, like— you have to buy things. Yeah. You have to like make your rent or lease payments. So he's just he's not thinking beyond the fact that people could die. And exactly. yes, valid, but valid, important. Yes. But this is a livelihood. This is like years and years and years of work. Yeah. And a lot of money goes into these animals. There's the feed, the care, upkeep of like the stables they stay in. And so losing a cow is a Big investment. Yeah. And if the government, I don't know how much the government pays, but obviously it's not what a cow would normally fetch on the market. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, he's young. I think it's ultimately that he's young and he just hasn't developed those experiences yeah. yet. And luckily, like, he has <laughs> Helen, who's really patient with him. Right. And she's experienced it firsthand. Yes. She reaches over and grabs his hand because they don't want to row. They don't want to fight. Yeah, I thought that was actually really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, Helen really does stick up for James. She tries to like persuade Siegfried to share more of the work. She drives James around. He's been working day and night, so yep. 
She, Little sleep. She she calls off her work at the farm. Her dad's like, we got it covered. And she takes him on his rounds. And also, during this episode, they encounter two lively characters of Dobie, Oh, yes, they do. Who are really trying to save a buck. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mr. Cranford and Mrs. Beck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, shout out to the writers for lending us some lighter scenes to balance the heaviness of Siegfried's story. Yeah. Uh, it felt odd. But also welcomed. <laughs> yes, we could see the effort and, uh, and we appreciate it. <laughs> we're, we're hoping to maybe revisit some of these scenes um, in a bonus episode. Yeah. But we're not making any promises. But uh, Mrs. Beck really wants a spay for like zero shillings. Right. She's she, trying to poor, work the system. Poor widow woman. Oh, my goodness. Like, she says that twice. Yeah. <laughs> a poor widow woman. Uh, th- she finally agrees to 10 shillings. Um, but that whole debacle, she ends up not paying at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see if she ever does. I right. wonder if I wonder she if comes she'll back. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Cranford just wants James to, you know, commit a little light insurance fraud. Oh, my goodness. Uh, who would know? James would know. <laughs> I love the way he delivered that, too. Right. So I'm like, Hello, isn't this his license on the line? Right. Is James he... has a lot riding on falsifying yeah. an insurance claim. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah. I, He's just like, Mr. It's Cranford fine. is just a cranky old man. So there's not much luck for James and Helen as far as gaining cooperation of Derby townsfolk mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, the stars of our main storyline, Siegfried and River. Support for all creatures, great and small, on Masterpiece is made possible locally by WITF members and by Pleasant View Communities, UPMC, Murray, and Argiers Marathi Neurosurgical Associates of Lancaster. Welcome back. At the very top of our episode, when Mrs. Hall breaks Siegfried from his thoughts of the war, she mentions that Major Seabright Saunders needs help with a horse. So Siegfried grabs a few tools and is off to the estate. Yeah. And when he gets there, um, he says, I suppose you heard about Sergeant Oliver crying shame. He was a good soldier. And Siegfried counters with and an even better man. Mm -hmm. Because let's not forget about his humanity. Exactly. So this horse, though, is having trouble. It won't let anyone ride him. That's why Siegfried is there. And Siegfried examines the horse. There's nothing physically wrong with him. He's a beautiful horse. He is. So beautiful. Um, And he asks, like, how did he get here? Because Ireland, I think, is where they purchased the horse from. And Monkham mentions that he accompanied the horse and that the seas were rough on the way to the estate. Mm -hmm. And um, he said maybe the animal has lost, maybe the horse lost its land legs. Right. and Siegfried, well, ultimately, Saunders says, like, can you fix him? Right. Like, you can just fix a Is living, something breathing you creature. Can do? Like, <laughs> he's a machine. Yeah. And Siegfried says, animals, like people, cannot simply be tinker- tinkered with and fixed like a wristwatch. Uh, and Saunders says, you were always somewhat something of a horseman. I thought perhaps you could break him. And Siegfried says, I'd say he's already broken. Our job is to put him back together again. And I was like, oh, Siegfried. I know. I feel like I'm Siegfried sometimes. Oh. Like, Well, often. I've said that often, that I'm, I am Siegfried. Yes. <laughs> but, like, I identified with him a lot because it's a living, breathing thing exactly. with feelings and emotions, scared, happy. It has all of 
all of these same emotions we have a full might whole not being. be as complex, might not be able to do like math equations, mm-hmm. but emotionally very similar to human beings. Exactly. So Siegfried, because he's brave and cares about animals, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he enters the ring to observe uh, River, and he's trying to get River to look him in the eyes, and that's when he realizes that this horse is just scared out of its mind, yeah, running on adrenaline. And they said, you tried, Farnan. And Monkham says, good for now, but dog food. Oof. Like, get out of here, Monkham. Yeah. I don't like this Monkham guy. (laughs) (laughs) And Siegfried says it's all driven by fear. That's what makes him lash out the way he does. And, yeah, it's Siegfried. It's Siegfried. That's like this, this like the third time he's talking <laughs> he about himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just – I don't know if he realizes it. The writers certainly do. Yeah. But Siegfried's done that before, and I'm like, yep. Yeah. They're one in the same. <laughs> they are. Um, and this horse is – he feels a kinship with this horse. Absolutely. Um, and it's not hard to do that. Like, I have several animals, and when they hurt, I hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, when Nolly was sick for, like, a month, I was just despondent. Oh. Like, it's like they they become an ex- ooh, they become an extension of you. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, so Siegfried says it'll take time, Major, to, you know, fix this horse up and— Make him unbroken mm-hmm. and assures River that he's all right. And Siegfried's able to calm the horse down, um, walking with him. But he knows this is like a long-term thing. This isn't going to be a quick fix. No. Again, he's not a machine. You right. don't just switch something on or crack a bone and right. he's fixed. Fix a gear, replace yeah. a gear. Like, it's not how it works. Exactly. Um, after walking with the horse for a while, Siegfried says the way he's moving his head tells me he's had enough. He's mm-hmm. deeply disturbed. Undoing the damage will take time, but we'll try. Don't leave him alone tonight. And he tells Saunders to put River in this in uh, the largest stable with the sweetest horse uh, for the night, and he'd be back the next day. It's so <laughs> nice to see like how much he embodies and like the empathy of someone who would work with horses. Yeah. And I took a little bit of a closer look. Yeah. And found an interview with Sam West, who plays Siegfried. And Alan Titchmarch, Titchmarsh, I believe, Okay, he's a broadcaster from the UK. And he was talking about Mark and Ben Atkinson praising them. They help run the horses on the show. Okay. So here's a little clip from that. Playing the part when I started, Siegfried returns from the first war, mm. preferring most horses to most people. And when I started, I thought that was a bit eccentric. And then I spent more time around horses and it began to seem completely reasonable. So I completely get that. (laughs) It seems like he was able to learn a bit about kind of how Mark and Ben probably feel with their 45 horses and their entire company of riders. And he's... He's starting to learn and become Siegfried. You can really see it in this episode. Yeah. I mean, I get lost in the acting. Like, I forget that Sam West is not actually Siegfried Farnan a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, it's funny that, like, the whole preferring horses to people thing. I feel the same way about dogs. Uh, Specifically dogs. Because dogs, like, cats... They're they're glad when you're back because they won't have to eat you when you die. Like yes. they want the food. Exactly. Uh, and sometimes they love you. But with dogs, <laughs> like you can be the 
dirtiest, smelliest, saddest mess. And they're still going to be like, hey, mom, love you. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to curl up with you and lick your tears, and it's going to be fine. It's incredible. <laughs> it's just the bond you could have with so, animals. Yeah, animals, just they love you unconditionally. There's nobody alive that loves you unconditionally except maybe a really good parent. Yeah. Other than, a, like, a dog. Exactly. <laughs> and that actually, like, segues into the next point I had in the notes. Once Siegfried goes home, yeah. he's always like, he goes up and he says, hello, old girl, to Jess. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, it's kind of what we've already been talking about. Do your animals ever sense when you're oh down? Gosh. Yeah. Because I've had it happen once. It was my best friend's cat. His name was George. And this was in high school. I had like a tiff with a boyfriend at the time <laughs> at a football game, something very like high school drama. Right. Uh, I mean, it still feels like a big deal. <laughs> it felt like a big deal that <laughs> night. And George came up and he slept on my head. Yeah. He curled himself at the top of my pillow and slept there. Aww. And I was like, Christina, does this happen to you? <laughs> and yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Cece um, is my fiance's dog. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, she is his shadow. That's what I mean oh, by wow. his dog. Mm-hmm. When he's very anxious, he'll lay down to like try and take a nap or just decompress. She'll sleep at his head, just wow. like you described with the cat. She'll yeah. sleep like she's his hat. Oh my goodness! And it's like I always say, she can sense that you're anxious. And um, but like Nolly does the same thing. If Matt and I are fighting, or if I'm like really really sad, well, when we're fighting, she doesn't know who to comfort because she's both of our dogs. Oh, fair. <laughs> she loves us both very equally. Oh, um, and she looks panicked until we make up. Oh but like if I'm sad, she'll come in and she'll like lick my face, like she'll lick my tears off, she'll lick my snotty nose. Oh like my it's gosh. she's so adorable. She'll curl up, she'll sit on me until I calm down. Wow. Um, and I've actually had like most of. The cats that I've had have also done this. Like when I was in middle, I think it was middle school, we had an an outdoor cat. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was sad and I was outside, I wouldn't even have to be crying. But if I was sitting outside and I was sad, she would come over. She wasn't a super cuddly cat, but when I was sad, she would come over and she'd rub against my leg and mm. she'd sit beside me. Like, oh, all of these, like these animals just, they can sense. Yeah. I, I have this theory and I'm not a professional, but my theory <laughs> is... That they can sense it from how we smell. Okay. Like we give off a different um, pheromone or something when we're stressed versus when we're happy. Interesting. So that's my theory. Yeah. Because I know there's pheromones at play and dogs especially get all of their information from sniffing. Right. That's why when you take a quick walk, it's never a quick walk because they have to sniff everything along the way. There's so much outside. (laughs) Oh, what's the the latest gossip? Gotta sniff this pole. (laughs) True. What happened? So it's like, we call it P-mail. I've seen it called P-mail. But yeah, like a walk down the block and back that would normally take you five minutes is always like a 15-minute walk. And also they have to find the perfect place to poo. Right. But It's a story. But that's how they, they sniff out. That's how they get their information. Interesting. <laughs> well, but, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, back back to the uh, the story here. Mm-hmm. Um, we got we have another flashback to the Great War. Yes. Um, Morris asks Siegfried about the horse that they were trying to save when Turner went down. Mm-hmm. And Siegfried says, physically, he'll make a full recovery. No accounting for the damage we can't see. And Morris says, him and me both. Hello, foreshadowing. Exactly. Uh, Then Maurice informs Siegfried that Turner has died in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And Maurice offers to write to Turner's mom. But Siegfried tells him he'll take care of it. 
And then Major Seabright Saunders announces that the war is over and that the horses are not coming home. What timing. Uh, They are going to be put down. So this horse that they just risked their lives to save, Mm -hmm. well, Turner actually did die saving this horse. Now they're just going to put it down because it's too expensive to transport them. Um, So Farnan kind of like pushes back and... Saunders says, I sympathize with the sentiment, Farnan, but the cost of bringing them back far outweighs what we would get for them at home. And Siegfried is angry and his men died to save this horse, but we have our orders. Yep. Is uh, like, oh, oh my gosh. This is so why much in this episode. Um, and then once again, Mrs. Hall breaks him out of his trance mm-hmm. and she asks him about River. And Siegfried says, well, he's obviously been through some fairly serious trials. I hope that time will see him right. Um, And again, he might be speaking about himself through this horse. Yep, exactly. (laughs) And um, Mrs. Hall says time will heal any wound. Uh, Can't do with the scar, though. And that's when I thought she might be talking about herself, too. Well, you know, very possible because she has been scarred by... The war. She Absolutely. does have the war in common. So they have some similar tr- trials. A lot <laughs> of empathy going on in here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not about the horse and it's it's not ever been about just this. About. Just about this horse. Yeah. Um, back at the estate, Siegfried says he's going to take River for a ride with his friend and River is going to wear the saddle, but Siegfried will ride beside him mm-hmm. on, on the sweetest horse they have. Yeah. <laughs> Smart decision. Um, Siegfried tries out the new sedative that um, Tristan bought from Car- Cargill's. Yes. And um, they go out for a ride with Pegasus. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he grabs the riding crop, he realizes that that's what's causing River so much anxiety. Yeah. And that's where I had this like personal story to share. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it triggered him. And right now, we are dealing with something between Irving, our, our newest dog, yeah. just a, basically just a puppy. He's like a year old. He's brand new. And Cece, uh, yeah, so he's a new dog, and he's also a new dog. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and Cece, who's about eight or nine, um, Cece does not want Irving on the couch. Right. And um, it has been triggering some fights, like oh. barking, lunging, all of this. So Irving, in this situation, Irving is River. Oh. Uh, and Cece is River, too. Yeah. They're both River, <laughs> They're actually. They're both River. Uh, so Cece has always been, well, not always, but when we first got her, our neighbor's dog got loose mm-hmm. and ran over, and I couldn't pick Cece up in time, and she got a tiny nip on her stomach. Oh. And it was like, it didn't even bleed. It was just red and like the littlest bit of blood. Okay. But it Shocked scared her. her. And now she's very reactive to dogs. That makes sense. So when we introduced Irving to her, she didn't love him immediately, but Mm -hmm. she, like, nipped at him. He would run. We thought, this is doable. And it was really, really great until a month later when she's starting to get territorial. So we're bringing in a trainer to work with us so that we can try and calm Cece down. Okay. So she realizes that Irving doesn't mean her any harm. Right. Isn't going to take over the entire couch. And also the couch doesn't belong to her. Ah. I, I bought the couch. Yep. It's mommy's couch. Yeah. <laughs> I keep telling her it's mommy's couch. Mommy bought this couch. I let you sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm going through quite a lot. Uh, oh. Yesterday was apparently an okay day. Uh, last night there was almost a fight 
Irving just got real excited yeah. and wanted to play. And he was playing a little rough. I, I took over. I was playing with him. He was like biting at my hand. I was like, Aww. nope, that hurts a little bit. You got to calm down. Aww. But he's just a puppy. So we have to train him how to have manners. Yeah. And we have to train Cece that like not everything in the house is hers to hoard. Right. <laughs> so it's like they're both they're both my river. Oh, my and goodness. And so that's uh, huh, the, the triggers. Like, Double the river. Couch. <laughs> uh, but anyway... Um, now that Siegfried knows why River is freaking out, he's like, oh, problem solved. We can, I know what's causing it. We yeah, can work with this. Exactly. And I hope you have the same experience. Gets, I hope so too. Yeah. Like I, my heart will be absolutely broken if we have to rehome Irving. Like oh. I can, I'm not even, not even thinking of that possibility really yet. Yeah. Um, so anyways, River's running free and like he's such a beautiful baby. Yeah. Like I cannot get over how beautiful this horse is. Something about his mannerism reminds me a lot about Cece. And I think it's uh, his anxiety. Oh. Like the anxious way he like moves his head or like stares straight ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like there's been quite a few moments where I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's Cece's Cece a horse. Does. Cece's a <laughs> tiny horse. <laughs> oh. So after River has rested a bit, it's time to take the next step and Siegfried's actually going to ride River. Uh, not beside him, but actually on him. On him. And Saunders says, all right, just to be clear, Farnan, if anything should happen to you, I shan't be held responsible. You'll be paying your own doctor's fees. <laughs> to which I wrote, what kind of guy is this? <laughs> like, I, okay, when he had to deliver the bad news in war, yeah. I did sympathize with him a little. I chalked it up to... He had, is, he had his orders. Exactly. Yeah. And he's just conveying them down. He's trying to... He, he might. He doesn't want it either. Right. That's, that's the benefit of the doubt you're giving him. I, I am, and I was yeah. picking up a little of it. Maybe I was projecting a little yeah. more, but I, <laughs> I gave it to him. But now I'm a little confused. And I wrote, earlier it seemed like maybe it wasn't his call. He was just taking orders, like you just said. But now this feels like maybe he is cheap, and maybe he's afraid. <laughs> maybe he's like... My mind just went down a little rabbit hole. Like, and I was like, <laughs> is he thinking that Siegfried would sue him? Like, that's not their relationship. Well, so. no. And I feel like as a veterinarian, you probably have your own insurance. Right. If there were. True. I mean, if if that's how it was in the 30s. That's granted, a good I don't point. know if there was like all these layers of insurance that you had to have then. Yeah. But I would imagine that the liability would lie on the veterinarian on so if it's already the veterinarian said. got injured. And I said, like, yeah. why doesn't he trust Siegfried? So <laughs> I was just a little annoyed by that. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like he is trying. I think he's he cares about Siegfried to mm -hmm. the point that he doesn't want him to get hurt. But also, like, Siegfried is a grown adult and he's yeah. a veterinarian. So if he wants to treat this horse, you have to let him treat the horse. Yes, let him do his so, job. <laughs> although, real quick. Uh, Siegfried doesn't trust Tristan to do his job either. Oh, so there's that good layer point. of play. <laughs> there is a little bit of that this episode as well. So play by play of what happens next. First yeah. of all, sick boots, Siegfried. Like, those riding boots are really cute. They they were great. I would like a pair. <laughs> I would too. We wouldn't buy that with donations though. No. <laughs> no. And then after he's up on River, goodness, what's his name? Monkum. Oh, Monkum, yeah. Freaking Monkum. Freaking Monkum. <laughs> Monkum and Major make a little bet. Did you catch that little smirk? I did. I was like, why are they betting mm. against him? That's so annoying. Yeah. Okay, number three, he's up. He's got his cool boots. They did that <laughs> on the side. But River's great. easing in. He's calm and happy. Yeah. 
until Monkham signals for the hand to show River the riding crop. Yeah. And as soon as that happens, Siegfried is thrown. Yeah, he freaks out. He freaks out. Because that's his trigger. Monkham is a jerk. Like, why is he rushing it? Why is he the way he is? Yeah. I hope maybe we'll get more Ooh, on Monkham. backstory. <laughs> Fan fiction. But freaking Monkham. Like, is I'm he still so mad about mad the kick him. on the ship? Like, what's going on? I don't know. Like, it just seems really, like, why would you do this to the horse? Yeah. This horse is, like, why would you not want this horse to get better? Exactly. I don't understand it. Maybe he has some beef with Siegfried? Maybe. I have no idea. But he's thrown, and <laughs> like you said, he probably, Major, probably does care about him. Yeah. Because Major runs right over. And this is what we hear after Siegfried gets up, says it's a little he's cut. Fine, yeah. It's definitely not a cut, but he's holding his own. <laughs> yeah. This is what we hear next. You have done your very best. There is nothing more to be done. I can't afford to keep a horse that no man can ride. Is there any decision you make that isn't measured against the weight of a coin? If there is a more certain yardstick, then I'd like to hear it. What about humanity? When you've seen what we have, I'm not sure that exists anymore. Now it looks like we're going to make the same mistakes all over again. I, I, I don't want you to do the deed, Farman. I'll have Monkham take care of it. He deserves better than that. I'll come up tomorrow. Yeah, so that that kind of leads us into another flashback where we kn- I mean it's confirmed. This is not this is not about the horse. Yeah. Um it, there like um Siegfried is conveying to Maris 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 uh, he's conveying to Maris that the horses need to be put down. Mm-hmm. And Maris says it can't be right. Not after everything. Turner gave his and he gets cut off. And Maris suggested to let the horses free. Yeah. Um, just like let them go. Let them run. And Siegfried worries about the horses being hit on the road. Yeah. And like they, they're they not wild horses. Exactly. So they he were knows made for that. they would not. They would not survive long, and it would just prolong the inevitable. Yeah, they would die. They would die because they wouldn't know how to. He, they won't know how to be a horse. Which is a good thought because I was with him for a minute. I was like, "Yeah, "Yeah, free the horses." I mean, I I was also like, every time I walk into a red lobster, and I'm like, "Can we just free the lobsters?" I've had that too. Like, oh god, like ever since I was a kid. Yep, I named one Henry. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Siegfried parrots that whole. We have our orders. He doesn't believe it. Uh, he doesn't want to do this, but he knows he has to. Yep. And uh, this is where we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll join Siegfried and Mrs. Hall back at Skeldale House for an even deeper discussion. Support for all creatures, great and small, on Masterpiece is made possible locally by WITF members and by Pleasant View Communities, UPMC, Murray, and Argiers Marathi Neurosurgical Associates of Lancaster. Welcome back to Postscript. We're about to join Siegfried and Mrs. Hall in a deep discussion over their favorite word game. At this point in the podcast, we'll get into the more sensitive topics, so you're welcome to stay in and listen, skip ahead, or catch up with us next week. Yes. We'd like to take a moment to bring awareness to the importance of mental health and the net of support while grieving. If you or someone you love is in suicidal crisis, call or text 988 for 24-7 free and confidential support. You can find additional resources at 988lifeline.org. 
If you or a loved one need mental health support, visit www.cdc.gov slash mental health and click on the tools and resources tab. Yes. So let's get into this. Let's um, do it. Back at Scaledale, Siegfried finally opens up to Audrey. Um, our glimpse into Siegfried's past as like the reading of the letter at the top of the episode Um we're we're learning that this is part of his grieving process. Yep. Um, that, that's how he's been in this kind of zone, this, funk, this funk, this yeah, this state, this whole episode. Yeah, and so Siegfried finally opens up to Audrey to reveal that Morris Oliver, so Sergeant Oliver, mm-hmm. uh, died by suicide uh, the previous week. He overdosed on barbiturates. Mm-hmm. And Siegfried has been reading this last letter over and over to see if there was a sign, something he could have done to help. I've been reading it over and over and over, trying to see if there was anything I might have missed. If I could have found something, done something to help him. But he seems happy. He talks about his plans for the summer. So there were two things I really liked about this scene. The first was that it really humanizes what a lot of people go through while grieving, seeking something they could have done or seen. And Siegfried, we know, has that kind of not control piece. But one of the other lines that he's taken from the war is there's nothing we could have done. This is something Christina brought up after we watched the episode, and I thought it was brilliant. (laughs) So uh, that's something I saw is that he always says there's nothing more we could have done. There's nothing more we could have done. And here he's really digging. He's trying to find that something more he could have done. Exactly. But it's. it's a very human response. Yes. Because we want to control everything around us. But... You don't always know that somebody is suffering. Like he says, he's talking about his plans for the summer. Maurice has plans for the summer, and it's not enough to keep him going. Exactly. So, I mean, you get caught off guard. Um, I personally have never been suicidal, but I have been to the point where I felt like if I didn't wake up, it would be okay. Mm -hmm. And that was the closest I ever want to get to feeling that way. Yeah. Um, So... I can't completely identify necessarily, but I do know that it's not rational when you're in that state. And I had an enormous support system. Like my parents, my family, my boss found me a therapist. Like she called. She set up my first appointment. I had so much support. And I still felt like it didn't matter if I woke up. Wow. Um, So... It's hard. It's you can't you can't predict you can't predict how somebody's going to react because none of it is it's not rational and but it's a human instinct is that well there must have been a sign. Right. Jumping in and trying to figure out to make it make sense. Yes. And like it's a puzzle. Exactly. And even even though there's nothing more he could have done. He right. would have had no idea. Right. It's 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 really hard um it's heavy. That was very beautifully said. <laughs> Thank you for sharing too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I'm always I've always been very open about I want to be open about my own mental health struggles and like my my struggles are nothing compared to what others have gone through. Like I want to preface with that, but like I said it's not rational. 
And um, it's also hard to reach out for help when you're in that state, too. Exactly. I mean, that's the other aspect is that you already feel like you're a burden or worthless or broken irreparably. And, yeah, it's just it's a hard place to be. It is. It's so. really hard. So please, if you are listening, know someone experiencing <laughs> similar things. Reach out to those resources we've mentioned, and we'll also link them in the show notes. Yeah, and, like, it's not forever. I think it's really important to remember that every emotion you feel is fleeting, and you can get through it, and there are people who really, truly, deeply care that you are on better footing. So that's my piece, too. I love (laughs) that. Like, it does, it can get better. I mean, it's highs and lows, but you can work through it, and there's people who care. Exactly. Yeah. That leads into my second part of that scene. And it's, I've been going through something recently with the loss of someone I grew up with. Yeah. They recently died by suicide. And the biggest support I have as a member of this net, this is how I'm envisioning it. Yeah, like a web. A web, exactly. It's almost like a flexible web, and there's lines between each member of my support. Christina has been a big (laughs) member of my support net and web. I'm glad I can help in any way. (laughs) Beth has been. Multiple friends, family members, our community who knew Mm -hmm. this person. So I think I'm I'm picturing it that way. It's very beautiful in the way that a net and a web are flexible and elastic and can kind of catch you. It could be strong and support you if you need to stand, Mm -hmm. and it could relax if you need just quiet time or relaxing time. And every part of a grieving process is part of it. It's all important. It's good to feel everything. So... I love that that's exemplified in the very minimal. Oh, like, Siegfried. Oh, Siegfried. Exactly. Yeah. The words Mrs. Hall says and the simple like reaching out to touch him on the hand. Yeah. Um, my best friend, I will never forget when my peepaw died. He would talk about it when I wanted to talk about it. When I wanted to reminisce about my peepaw, he would listen to me and he would laugh along with the stories or like feel sad with me that he's gone And when I didn't want to talk about it, we watched movies and we carried on like it was normal life. But he sat with me in it. And it was that I will never, ever forget that support. Just him being there was enough. So, yeah, I just I love Mrs. Hall and Siegfried's relationship and how supportive it is. This is why I stand for them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, she's simply being there and that there's something to say, like, just. Actually being there, not saying, well, if you need anything, call me. She's there. Exactly. So. Someone to sit with you in it. Yeah. And not try to change it. Exactly. Or convince you otherwise. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautifully said. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. Um, yeah, I mean, this scene was hard and heart-wrenching. And also, um, it, I, I think it was an homage to the real Siegfried Farnan, mm-hmm. Donald Sinclair. I don't know if this um, suicide is in the original book or not, but the real Siegfried, Donald Sinclair, actually did die by suicide um, by overdosing on barbiturates, mm-hmm. just like Maurice did. Yep. Morris. I said his name wrong again. <laughs> I feel so bad. Morris. That's okay. Um, so uh, it might have been a kind of touch point to have that struggle included in the storyline because it's one of the saddest things about 
ultimately about Siegfried's character, Donald Sinclair, is that he he did take his own life as well. Yeah, exactly. So, again, I think if that's what the writers came up with, we don't know where the story will continue or how long it will go. Right. But having Sam West as Siegfried point to the real-life Donald. Yeah. And kind of identify it with a horse who relates, I think is really beautiful if that's what they chose to do. If not, it's still valid if we read into it that way. The way way they handled the storyline I thought was really, really um, respectful and compassionate. That's a great Um, word. Yeah, it just it they they handled it pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so this was this was like the saddest episode I think we've had. I think so in all three seasons so far. And I don't know if it'll get sadder because the war is coming, right? Um, but yeah, yeah. So and just like Mrs. Hall, we're happy you're here, and we're grateful that you're part of our co- postscript community and our little bit. Yes, please stick around. Yes. <laughs> um, but we'll move on with the storyline. Um, mm-hmm. The next day, Siegfried is sore and emotionally tired, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, he had taken a bath, uh, not with Mrs. Hall's entire bag of salts. <laughs> Uh, that was a little joke that they added in to help us not be so sad. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it worked for me. Yeah. Same, same. Uh, Siegfried actually asked Tristan to drive him to River and to bring the humane kit. And I was so glad he asked Tristan. Yeah. I'm so glad he had someone with him. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really nice. And I don't think that Siegfried's good at asking for help. True. So this was him. He didn't actually ask for help, but he implied he needed help. Yeah. So that was really nice. Um, and on the way, even Tristan is noticing that Siegfried's not himself. He asks if Siegfried's okay. Tristan is not the most observant boy in the world. <laughs> so the fact that Tristan noticed, we know this is completely out of character. And he did notice it earlier in the episode, too, when Mrs. Hall really yes. noticed it. And something you noticed at that point was that, again, Mrs. Hall may have seen this kind of behavior before. Um, I noticed when she turns at the sink, when Siegfried has his little outburst with Helen. Yeah. Mrs. Hall's at the sink and she kind of like looks very nervous and kind of looks down. And I said, I thought, oh, this might be how it started with her husband, Mm -hmm. like before he turned into, quote unquote, the brute because he was a loving man. And then he was not. And the way she turns around and she tries to, like, convince the kids that everything's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Like, she's playing this mother role. And it's probably similar to what she did with Edward. Yeah. Um, Their relationship is obviously very complicated. And I'm wondering if she tried to cover for her husband, kind of like she's covering for Siegfried. Now, granted, these are not kids anymore. Like, Tristan, James, and Helen, they're, they're not her kids and they're all grown, but she kind of turns around and is like, oh, you know how he is. Exactly. And kind of like brushes it aside. But she's noting, and Tristan also noted, that this is like very out of character. It was for, like even for Siegfried. Yes. <laughs> and that was such a good, like great insight on your part. Great. Yeah. Grab. I mean, I didn't realize it until the third time I watched it. But, 
<laughs> but this is why we watch it several times. Exactly. Um, anyway, on the way, Tristan asks if Siegfried's okay, and he said, that's a stupid bloody question. Of course I'm not. <laughs> None of us is, nor should we be, state of the damn world. Mm-hmm. And Tristan says, right. Only thing is, I sort of am. All right, I mean. Sorry. (laughs) And um, Siegfried says, ignorance is bliss. Tristan responds, if only Mr. Barge sold that by the bottle. Word, let me tell you. Word, ain't that the truth. If that were in a bottle, sign me up. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, This is when Tristan offers to step up and take on more of the night work. And Siegfried agrees. But then Tristan immediately regrets even mentioning it. And he says, maybe I should just concentrate on day surgery. Because he's like, that phone could ring at any time in the night. Any And Siegfried's like, yeah. <laughs> That's part of the gig, kid. But this whole thing kind of brings a smile to Sieg- Siegfried's face. And yes. this is basically the first time he's really had a moment of lightness. Yeah. Especially with Tristan. Yeah. Like, this is, this is a nice little brother moment. moment. So that's why we included it, even yeah. though it was very brief. Um, and then at the estate, Siegfried tells Sonder that he's going to stay for the execution this time. Saunders mm-hmm. wants to, like, run along and let Siegfried do the dirty work mm-hmm. and or monk him. <laughs> yes. He did not want to be around. And, yeah, um, you noticed – well, you felt differently than I did. I did, yes. But <laughs> I think it's scene. good that we both felt what we felt. When I heard that, I was I winced a little bit. And I definitely get why Siegfried feels like that, especially after all of the horses in World War II right. under his orders. But I was like, Siegfried, that's not nice. That, like, <laughs> you should not subject anyone to it. Right. And I'm going to pass it to you before I give my, like, <laughs> roundabout thought where I came back around. Right. I'm just like, no, you know what? He should stay because he <laughs> said put all the horses down. He didn't care. Yeah. Um, and he just let Siegfried handle the dirty work, Siegfried and his men. Like, right. When you're removed from it, it's easy to just be like, yeah, kill that beautiful animal Mm -hmm. that you just saved and put all this time into and your men died for. Yeah. Like they were soldiers, too. Yeah. He he was not there when they saved the horse and he didn't want to be there when they put it down. Right. Like, no. And his men. But I think his horse, I think his horse went back. It did. So that's also. I'm also a little salty about that. that, You're (laughs) right to be salty. When I finally came back around with my thought, I was like. But I also think it may be part of the leveraging to help Major change his mind that, if he had him come by. Maybe. 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 I, I mean, know. he seems really, really connected to his wallet. Very <laughs> true. But it is different to actually have to go through with it or witness it. Exactly. So you, may, you might be right about that. Much heavier. <laughs> but at the last minute... Uh, and this is this is my initial thought. In walks a damn jockey with the damn riding crop, and Siegfried is as mad as I am. Like Fair. I'm like, what the hell was that? <laughs> but also, it seemed to trigger something in Siegfried where he's like, no, this isn't the horse's fault. We're not exactly. doing this. So he says, none of this is this poor animal's fault. Maurice needed help. Morris needed help. No one was there to give it to him, but we're here now. Surely we don't need to repeat the mistakes and cruelties of the past. And um, Saunders says, and how many times are you willing to be thrown off? As many as it takes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Siegfried, I'm there with you. 
I will be thrown from a horse. <laughs> I will be growled at, snarled at. I will dodge bites. Yeah. We're going to figure this out. <laughs> so, uh, and also I'm very stubborn. I feel like Siegfried is my spirit animal. <laughs> but anyway, so Siegfried is all in. He's ready to rehabilitate this horse um, to build up trust and confidence. And he says to the horse, he says to River, you can kick me off again as much as you like. I'm not going to give up on you. You don't give up on me either. Maybe we can help each other out. And I was like, <laughs> heart eyes. I love yeah. it. It's so beautiful. Because... They have this relationship where this the horse is going to help him heal because yes. this horse is going to give him something to help mm-hmm. in a way that he couldn't help Morris. Exactly. So it's just so beautiful. It's a beautiful it. storyline. Very well done. <laughs> it, it's just so well done. Um, he says, Tristan, open the gates and they ride. They ride off and it's beautiful. And this horse is so pretty. Yeah. He's just a baby. And yeah, and Tristan's just there watching. <laughs> it's beautiful. I was so glad Tristan was there to watch, like see Siegfried kind of heal like that. Yeah, he loves his brother, obviously. But what a beautiful yeah. day to shoot too. That was so picturesque. Yeah, the lighting was great. Everything was green. Yeah. It was like they're riding off into the sunset. Exactly, <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> so as we take a little bit of a look ahead. I hope we see River come back with Siegfried. I would, I would really like, like to see that. I'd like to see where the storyline continues. Yeah. And whether he's like, I have a feeling he'll be successful. This doesn't feel like the kind of show where he's not successful True. with River the way that they ended this. So True. I'm hoping that that's where the storyline goes and that Siegfried finds a little bit of healing as well. Yeah, he gets a little bit of himself back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know that Mr. Alderson is on board with the TV testing. He said that at the, it was the Drovers, it right? It was the Drovers. Uh, because was Mr. Cranford is like, uh, James is trying to sign people up for TV testing. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, Alderson, are you in? He's like, yeah. He James is going to test my cows. Gave it to him straight. And I was like, <laughs> wow, that was a bold choice. Yeah. And I think that will carry a lot of weight with the farmers. Mm-hmm. I feel like Mr. Cranford is probably just... Everybody knows he's a cranky man. Exactly. I don't know how much weight his opinion actually carries, being him, he's so miserable. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Alderson's like, you're not going to bully me or James. Not my so that's, family. That's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> but Helen is rightfully worried. She she mentions, I just hope you don't put down half the cows in the county. Mm-hmm. I'm um, with her. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, and the war is the war is still out there. Like it is. it's we know because it's history. Exactly, that it's coming. It's the time so period. We know. We know. We know the war is coming. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, this episode was a really heavy one, uh, but there were a lot of really beautiful moments too. So were. thank you for joining us and for listening to Postscript from WITF. Check in with us. Let us know how we're doing. Email your thoughts to ps at witf.org. Engage with us on social media on Instagram at WITF.org and Facebook at WITF.org. Yep. I'm Christina Ziders. And I'm Ali Amaros. Thanks again. We're grateful for your support and we look forward to chatting with you all next time. To Surviving Siegfried. Surviving Siegfried. <laughs> We'd like to thank Pleasant View Communities, UPMC, Murray, 
Argiers Marathi Neurosurgical Associates of Lancaster, and WITF members for supporting all creatures great and small on WITF. Thank you.